0: Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners, when somebody disrespects our flag, to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. He's fired! How to make sense of this moment.
1: You have to stand proudly for the national anthem. Well, you shouldn't be playing, you shouldn't be there. Maybe you shouldn't be in the country.
0: Sports give people a way to set aside their differences and unite around a shared passion. But they've also become a battleground in a broader political and social struggle. How can both be true?
2: The idea of sports as escapism is a lie. And you'd be lying to yourself to think that it could be that. It it can't be. It never has been.
0: Politics and sports feel more entangled now than ever. We're living in a unique moment. But we're also living through a new chapter in a long history of sports serving as a vehicle for social and political expression. What does this actually mean for all of us, though? What difference is it actually making? Most of us know how we feel about Trump, and guns, and Kaepernick. You're on your side, I'm on mine. And we, as a nation, are more divided now than ever. So where does all of this go
3: next? What more can anybody do anyway? Why do anything at all? Sports is something that we shouldn't reject, that we should fight to reclaim. And so if something can bring both good and bad to me, that means you fight for the soul of it. You don't abandon it altogether.
2: How could he not feel like he was being hunted and under attack? All he wanted was basic accountability.
1: He doesn't understand how great it is here, what people have died for. When bodies come home, they're draped in that flag. The point of protest is to create that level of discomfort.
0: I'm Gotham Chopra from Religion of Sports. This is Why Sports Matter. In this episode, we explore tribalism and the search for the soul of sports through the prism of the current political moment. There are few people in this world I have more respect for than Johnny Joey Jones. Joey is a 32-year-old veteran. He's a Marine and former bomb tech who currently works for a nonprofit helping veterans. He's one of the most impressive people I've ever met. And I'm honored to call him my friend. We became friends because we both share a burning love of sports. I first met Joey about three years ago while filming our NASCAR episode of Religion of Sports. He's from Dalton, Georgia, a small town where people build their own race cars and run them around dirt tracks. There, they love racing as much as life itself.
4: This is a very blue collar, it reminds me of like the Midwest. This is a, um, in my opinion, more work boots culture. Sometimes, especially when money isn't very prevalent and the way you make money is hard earned, it's a nine to five paycheck, you need something that brings your community together. You need something that brings joy to your community.
0: Joey dropped out of college so he could join the Marines. And during his time in service, he paid a heavy price.
4: While serving as an EOD or bomb technician in Afghanistan in 2010, which was a pretty rough time, actually the roughest for us, I stepped on an IED, a roadside bomb, and lost my legs. And so I woke up in in a hospital in Germany two days later with no legs. And so that kind of started what is my life today. Joey
0: is also a regular commentator for Fox News, which, well, isn't my news network of choice. Joey's a passionate conservative. We disagree on pretty much everything, except our shared love of sports. But we're not just friends because I'm quote unquote a liberal New England elite and I need a token Republican friend. We're like actual friends. We stayed in touch after the episode because Joey truly surprised me with how thoughtful and kind he was. Admittedly, a lot of times our conversations are arguments. But they never truly affect our friendship. Not even the past two years as the Colin Kaepernick saga has fomented an outraged war of liberals versus conservatives.
4: I'm not offended by someone kneeling for the anthem. I just want, I don't think they're thinking it through as far as I have. I want them to see that the irony in the full circle of it is because that flag is there and that anthem is there, they have the opportunity to make the world a better place. So for me, that flag and anthem will always symbolize the best of what we can be, not what we've done or where we are.
0: You're so infuriatingly rational, Joey. Like <laughs> you, you, you defy all the stereotypes that I once <laughs> applied to you before I, I knew you. Um, well, <laughs> no.
4: Maybe not all of them, I tell you. (laughs) Yeah, that's true.
0: Which is kind of what this podcast is about, actually.
4: Look, the conservative that's painted on CNN isn't the one that lives in this country. Likewise, the liberal that's painted on Fox News isn't one that lives in this country. There are those people, but they're not the ones that you see every day.
0: It's funny because, you know, I think of sometimes the things that I'm labeled, I guess, and especially by some of the people who follow you on Twitter. Um, I mean, I grew up in the Northeast. I grew up around a lot of, I guess, wealth and and privilege. I went to a private school living in Hollywood. I mean, that's where I'm doing this podcast, like literally, you know, on, on a couple blocks from Hollywood Boulevard. The thing is, of course, I disagree with Joey about Kaepernick. Same as many of my liberal friends do, such as Jamel Hill, a staff writer for The Atlantic and one of the most prominent sports journalists in the country.
2: We revise history all the time. We forget that Martin Luther King was considered to be one of the most, if not the most hated man in America, Martin Luther King Jr. So right now, we are constantly being given opportunities to be on the right side of history. And often what happens, we're not on that side until we know the result. Yeah, in hindsight, everybody loved Muhammad Ali, didn't love him when he was protesting the Vietnam War. That's what it is. So instead of trying to be late to the party, why not try to be the first one there for once instead of waiting to see how this turns out? Because I guarantee you, if Colin Kaepernick never plays a down in the NFL, and I don't think he will, 20 years from now, everybody's going to swear that they supported Colin Kaepernick. And we know that's not true.
0: Well, I personally agree with Jamel. Talking with Joey showed me that there's more nuance to this conversation than I probably originally thought. There's such a
4: difference between ignorance and malice. And I hate that those two groups of people get put together all the time because of the words out of their mouth or other people's perception. How you act, you should always be held responsible for. But sometimes your perspective can be ignorant over malice. And I've seen that work in my own life. My grandmother, who's now almost 90 years old, was raised in Cherokee County, Georgia, the last place to allow black people to go to school with white people uh, in the state of Georgia, or at least that's what she's told me. She came home one day working in a carpet mill, which was probably 70% illegal Hispanics, most of them Mexican, and goes, you know what, I've been so mad that I can't talk to anyone that works for me, that I've been telling them they better learn American. But you know what? They work so hard and they're just so good to me that they don't need to learn American. I, I guess I should try to learn Mexican. And there's so much ignorance in that statement, but there's also so much goodness in it too. To me, that's the hope side of this issue. I just don't feel like it gets enough attention. And, you know, we apply in other places in our life the focus on the good. You look forward, not backwards. You look for the victory, not the defeat. You learn from the defeat, but you look for the victory. And it's like, We just, we don't apply that to political things because ultimately it's not lucrative for the politicians and pundits that control the conversation.
0: To echo Joey, especially when watching or reading the news, it's hard for me not to feel defeated these days. But if you look for it, there are victories to be found too, just not quite where you'd expect. Around the country, sports have united family, friends, and strangers alike, like me and Joey may otherwise disagree on everything. That is, until two years ago, when Colin Kaepernick's protests made politics a central issue that crossed the line into sports. Should sports and the platform athletes have be used for political and cultural expression? Or should they just be pure escapism, a respite from all the real-world political stress? For Joey... When it comes to Colin Kaepernick's protests and the way it stirred up this heated conversation within sports, the answer
4: is clear. I don't have a passionate rebuttal. I have a very reasoned rebuttal, for me anyway. No one told me not to wear an NRA shirt to work. Even though it's something I'm incredibly passionate about, I don't do that because I want everyone that walks in that door to feel welcomed. And we may end up having that conversation in ways that you could never dream. So for me to to push them away, to draw a line at that door with my T-shirt or my action before I even get a chance to talk to them, that was my problem with what Colin was doing, which was it's the same thing as, as political news, right? If you just talk to the people that agree with you, then good for you. You sound great, but you're not winning anyone over. And so with the anthem protest, the way it was conducted, and I don't think it was overly strategized, so I don't necessarily in the beginning fault him for it, but... Once it turns into you're daring people to cross over this line, like basically when I talked earlier about the difference between ignorance and malice, I say that because I grew up in it. I grew up submerged in both and saw those people grow and change as they got older and as a culture and a society and a city change. I mean, my hometown 78% Hispanic and rather than people complaining because half the, uh, half the signs are subtitled in Spanish, people learn Spanish. And it's really funny, you get a lot of it in Texas where their political views kind of align with a lot of what Trump is saying, but their daily lives actually are very different. Their daily lives are like, you know, but the, the Mexican people I know, I love, and they're still trying to figure it out, right? They're still dissecting and understanding what, what it all means because it, it's hard. For, it's big topics. So the point being back to like racism and things is, you know, I, I want Colin to say what he's saying. And I want him to say it to people that don't already get it. And I feel like bringing it into Sunday games just pushes people away. So it may make you feel good, and it may make your supporters feel good about you, but what is it doing to change those people's hearts and minds? This is one of the burning questions in sports right now.
0: Can sports just be sports, or should they also function as a
3: battleground for these bigger ideas? I've seen too much good as far as what sports can do, particularly at the youth level, firsthand. That's Dave Zirin a renowned reporter and commentator on the intersection of sports and politics. I've also seen how much bad sports can do, particularly at the youth level, firsthand. And so if something can bring both good and bad to me, that means you fight for the soul of it, you don't abandon it altogether.
0: Joey Jones is all about letting sports be sports, because of what they mean for people who just want to escape the real world for a little while. For instance he didn't appreciate San Antonio Spurs coach Greg Popovich becoming more outspoken about politics over the last couple of years.
4: Greg Popovich was being interviewed yesterday and someone said, can you talk about the trouble you've endured with your team? And he he stopped and said, we play a kid's game. We play a child's game. We don't endure. There are millions of people in this world that endure. And to me, that's such a short-sighted to the fans watching. You're telling them, as the millions of people who are out there enduring that they don't even get to hit the pause button and watch this game right now, that they don't get that opportunity to do the things you and I are talking about, which is come together outside of those hardships or come together outside of those divisions and enjoy something together. You're even taking that away from them because you're so on this pedestal and on this soapbox about whatever it is, because this, 300 million Americans that are out here enduring, we'd like to watch basketball and let it be it. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm open to the fact, but that's where I see it and kind of where I see the anthem protests as well.
0: So you are wrong on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Joey and I laughed about that, but I was being serious too. I love Greg Popovich. He's thoughtful, and I appreciate him using his platform in the middle of the big red state of Texas to share his progressive views. To Joey... Coach Pop betrayed the soul of sports as he sees it. But to me, it's more complicated than that. Something I talked about with Jamel. This idea that sports can be a sanctuary in a divisive time, in a hyper-political climate, do you buy that? Or is it the opposite, which is, well, sports have never really been, you know, independent of politics. And sure, we can all enjoy sports and we can watch them but there's no separation. I mean where sort of at the highest level do you fall in that argument?
2: Well, this idea that sports would somehow be immune to that is kind of ridiculous because it can't be because the people participating in sports are still citizens in this country and they're still are getting this front row look and you know especially to have the most divisive president Ever, a president that feels very empowered to insert himself in sports conversations and to go after the NFL. The idea of sports as escapism is a lie, and you'd be lying to yourself to think that it could be that. In moments, yes, but not on a large scale. It can't be. It never has been.
0: Colin chose to use this platform as an NFL quarterback to make the most noise possible about an issue he passionately cared about.
2: Colin's message, and, you know, these are per his own own words, though I am paraphrasing, is, as I mentioned, I mean, he has, much like many, everybody has, witnessed, you know, black men being killed unjustly that are unarmed and there being no consequences to doing that. It feels like it's more encouraged than discouraged
0: at this point. It goes to the very nature and history of protest in the
3: United States, as Dave Zirin points out. The point of protest is to make people uncomfortable. Uh, If it's not making you uncomfortable, then it's actually not protest. It's either philanthropy or it's something staged for the cameras that's safe and at a remove. And there's actually a rich history of athletes using their public platforms for political protest. What Colin Kaepernick did was he took this discussion that is happening in the black community, namely, how do we survive when we interact with police officers and made it everybody's problem? Now, that's made some people listen and take it more seriously. And certainly it's true that it's also pushed other people away. But the point of protest is to create that level of discomfort
2: to protest during the national anthem in modern day. It was really startling. I was stunned. And of course, as Colin Kaepernick explained why he did it, it made perfect sense because we were in a, you know, volatile time after, you know, Trayvon Martin being killed, the Dallas police officers being killed, you know, Philando Castile, like all these things were happening in our country Uh, and Michael Brown. And we saw what happened with Ferguson, like all of this was happening. So I totally understood why he was doing it, because that level of disappointment and unrest and feeling as if everything is kind of falling apart, I could relate to that feeling. And especially Colin being a black man in this country, how could he not, regardless of who he played for, the position he held, how much money he had, how could he not feel like he was being hunted and under attack? All he wanted was basic accountability. And even wider than that, looking at our criminal justice system as a whole, which is totally broken, I mean, you can look through any measure of data and evidence, Which all point to the fact that black people uh, and people of color in general are routinely judged harsher, given harder sentences. Colin Kaepernick was protesting for victims like Khalif Browder. That's what his protest was about. A kid that sat in jail for years and didn't do anything. And the, the experience was so traumatizing that he took his own life. That's what he's protesting about. That is something that shouldn't just enrage Colin Kaepernick. It should enrage everybody. But it doesn't seem to be the case. And if you look at the history and the tense relationship that's always been there between people of color and the police, we know why everybody's not outraged. And so that was what his protest was about, is seeking justice and accountability. That has been completely lost in all of this. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that People don't really care. Not everybody, obviously. I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush. I'll be honest, the majority of people do not care what Colin Kaepernick is protesting about. They are completely comfortable with a system that does that. And so he has taken it upon himself, using his name, his financial leverage, to try to do something about it, which I thought is the most American thing you could possibly do.
0: On issues like Colin Kaepernick... These debates are way more productive once we understand where the other side is coming from, when we understand the context that informs their opinions. And like Joey, Jamel's worldview is shaped by where she comes from.
2: There's a shaming that comes with growing up poor. You know, I have very, you know, deliberate and acute memories of having to go to uh, the store with food stamps and the shame that I had having to do that. Because I knew people were looking at me differently and, you know, already stereotyping me because of that, especially in some of the neighborhoods I grew up. I was hardly the only person that was doing this. It was a collective shame, but you knew that everybody knew like, oh, yeah, she's on welfare. Oh, she's one of those one of those welfare babies, that kind of thing it was carrying that shame that was tough growing up because, you know, you go to school and your peers, everybody seems to be doing so much better than you, even if you're sort of all in kind of the same economic class. And so that sometimes made me feel a little bit like an outsider. I had a bit of a dysfunctional family, which also made me feel like an an outsider, you know, being the child of parents who had been drug abusers. Unfortunately, I had to witness a lot of my mother's suffering, you know, her drug addiction rather, you know, up close, um, not as in her actually doing drugs, but just seeing her go through those challenges and also her being a, a rape survivor, that trauma being tied together. So all of that is sort of shaped my world view of things, of understanding what that's like when you don't have and how people look at you and judge you for what you don't have and for circumstances that you can't control.
0: Growing up in an environment like that, Jamel needed an escape, and writing became that escape.
2: I love writing because it gave me an opportunity to create a world that was so different from my own, and it gave me a sense of peace and balance that I desperately needed during that time. So that was my outlet, is being able to create my own, you know, reality. The moment I stepped into a newsroom, I was hooked, you know, just energy, vibrant you know, conversations that I didn't quite understand and just this vigilance about finding the truth and figuring out the real story and telling stories. I like the idea of exposing the flaws of the powerful, holding them accountable, being a watchdog as in the community. It appealed to me because I had been the vulnerable citizen before. I knew what that vulnerability was like. And I imagining knowing how I felt in that position, it would be comforting to know that there was at least this society of journalists and, you know, newspaper people that could um, in some ways shed light on what was the real stories and communities like mine. And you could do that through sports for sure. And so that was sort of my entry point into it. And I brought all of my experiences, you know, sort of with me uh, because that is what Gives you the humanity.
0: All right, we're talking about Robin Hood. It's an investing app. I'm talking to Adam, who's tried to log in and sign up for this. Yeah, it was really easy. Just put in all my information. I have zero investment experience, so I'm really looking forward to getting into it. After this podcast takes off, you'll have a lot of investment (laughs) opportunities. All right. So Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just wealthy, even for Adam. Yeah. Wealthy in spirit. Good one. <laughs> Non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. Simple and intuitive, clear design with data presented in an easy to digest way. I- I'm Jewish. I don't do anything with true confidence, but this is getting <laughs> me there. Let's talk about the values of the Robinhood app. These are very important. So look, other brokerage fees charge up to 10 bucks for every trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. So... Every trade, all the money you make, you keep all of your profits. That's a big deal. It's easy to understand charts and market data. Place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. Adam, I'm gonna test you later on that. <laughs> no, it's it helps you save the embarrassment of asking dumb questions to your friends and people who know how to do this. So it's been helpful. Hey by the way, I wanna be serious, like You know, investing with your values is important more and more. So I would highly encourage that. I'm digging it. And then, of course, look, we already talked about intuitive. You learn by doing with this app. You learn how to invest as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks and track favorite companies with personalized newsfeed. And there's custom notifications for price movements. So you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. That's a big deal. Adam, you could be an Apple stockholder. You've already contributed, I bet. Oh, yeah. I just bought a new computer, so... Playing both sides. Um, (laughs) Sign up at matter.robinhood.com. That's matter.robinhood.com.
1: I think I was just more hurt than anything by seeing him sit... That's Nate Boyer, a character in all of
0: this who is frequently either overlooked or misunderstood. He's a Green Beret who served multiple tours in Iraq and Afghanistan before a brief stint in the NFL, and he was a major reason behind Colin Kaepernick's decision to kneel.
1: It started with a letter. I decided what I was going to do is I'd write an open letter to Colin, and I did it with the Army Times because it's it's a non-political paper, and so, I, yeah, I wrote this letter that just sort of explained my feelings on things.
0: Like Joey, Nate prefers that sports remain an escape from the real world, not a place to fight over the real world's problems. Sports over the last year has, like everything else, sort of become a very divisive issue, mainly around this issue. So how does that make you feel watching what's happened?
1: It's tough because it an escape for me. When I was deployed, I would watch football, you know, between missions and stuff to sort of decompress and, you know, think about other stuff. And, and the great thing about sports, besides the locker room, is typically, I mean, you go to a game as a player and you look up in the stands and, like, nobody cares about anything political. Everybody's just wearing the jersey of their team and they don't, they don't give a damn about anybody's opinions on stuff other than that in that moment.
0: But Nate didn't want to invalidate Kaepernick's experience either. He wanted to be helpful. I
1: was very clear in that I'm not going to ever be able to relate to what you've been through or what you've experienced I just want to listen I want to try to find out where you're coming from and I want things to improve I want our country to be better period no matter what it takes the letter went viral in a way that Nate didn't expect and Colin Kaepernick's publicist called me and said that he read the letter and he was moved by it and he wanted to meet with me the next day so I headed down to San Diego the next morning to meet Colin in the lobby of the team hotel before the game. We asked each other a bunch of questions. We listened to one another, you know, by the end of it, I'd showed other messages from people I served with that had read the letter. A lot of them were like, you know what? I hadn't thought about it in that way. I appreciate what you're saying. And then a lot of them were like, I don't care what he says. Like, this is wrong. It hurts. You know what I mean? He doesn't understand how great it is here. Um, and you know, and what we fight for and like what people have died for, you know, and, when bodies come home, they're draped in that flag, you know? So it hurts me. And I said, I understand it hurts me too, but we have to be able to relate on a level that we have to be able to understand, I guess, on a level that our experiences shape what we believe. And he hasn't experienced what we've experienced, but I haven't experienced what he's experienced. So I, for me to, to say you're wrong and I'm right, it's just it's stupid. And it's feeding into Everything that's wrong with our country right now, you know, this lack of understanding or even trying to understand the other side of things.
0: And then a lot of people suddenly were like critical, like that was your idea. You were, quote, supporting his stance.
1: I still want him to stand. I want everybody to stand. But I want them to stand because they feel the same way that I do about this country, right? And if they don't, maybe they shouldn't. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's a tough one. I'm going to get freaking attacked for saying that, but if you don't believe in something, you shouldn't stand for it, no matter what it is. I don't like it. It hurts me every time I see it. And I think it can be seen as disrespectful by people. And I totally not only understand that, but I think I'm more concerned with people that do things out of obligation. If they don't really feel a certain way and they, are the people that are you know, focused on booing him during the anthem. Like, that is more disrespectful, you know what I mean? To me, anyway. By the end of their conversation, both men had a
0: deeper understanding of each other.
1: He asked me at the end, he said, all right, what do you think I can do? Like, I'm not going to stand, because I don't believe in, in, in the direction we're heading right now. But is there another way that you think I can demonstrate doesn't hurt people like that, you know, so that I can show that I'm not disrespecting the military. That's not what it's about. You know, I wanted him to stand. He wanted to sit. And I, I just suggested kneeling as a compromise. I said, look, I mean, people take a knee to pray. They take a knee to propose to their wives. People in the military take a knee in front of a fallen brother's grave to pay respects. There's still going to be a lot of people that <laughs> aren't going to agree with it, but I think it's showing that you're at least willing to listen. It's a step forward. And I think sitting on the bench isolated like that with your head down kind of just looks like you don't care or that it's about you or something like that. And I'm pretty sure that's not what it's about. You can say something is about something all day long, but you don't get to choose how people perceive gestures or actions. And so that night, you know, he he actually asked if I would take a knee with him. And I, I said, I I can't do that. I was in the military and... I mean, what we do, we stand with our hand on our heart at attention and face a flag, like, that's what we do. But I said, if you're willing to take that step, I'll stand next to you, you know? And so I did it that night at the game. A powerful
0: moment, one that sadly seems lost in all the noise that followed.
2: Actually, I thought it was kind of a beautiful moment that continues to be underplayed. One, because patriotism has sadly become become the focus as opposed to what he was originally protesting about and the fact that there was an army vet that thought that kneeling was more respectful because it's what they do to fallen soldiers the fact that people don't get that is kind of disappointing because that was to me a great example of something You know, a protest, a a response bringing people together, that it came together and compromised because Nate Boyer then in turn had a, a much firmer understanding after talking to Colin about why he was doing it to begin with. And Colin understood why the flag and the anthem meant so much to Nate, given what he had sacrificed in order for Colin to even have the opportunity to voice his unrest It was the moment and it was the opportunity for everybody to kind of say, all right, I may not completely agree, but you know what? That's something that I think we all can understand and get in on. I thought it was just very symbolic and it gave us all a real example about how the conversation can move forward. Unfortunately, most people missed it.
0: The Right Hire can make a huge impact on your business For example Adam producing this podcast Thank you very much Well let's see how this podcast yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> okay so that's why it's so important To find the right person Where do you find that individual You can post a job on a board and hope The right person will find your job Or think about it How often do you hang out on job boards I don't know I haven't hung out on a job board for a long time Adam have you Just please listen to this podcast so I don't have to. (laughs) Don't leave finding someone great to chance when you can post your job to a place where people go every day to make connections, grow in their career, and discover job opportunities. Most LinkedIn members haven't recently visited the top job boards, but 9 out of 10 members are open to new opportunities. And with 70% of the U.S. workforce on LinkedIn, posting on LinkedIn is the best way to get your job opportunity in front of more of the right people. Am I like kind of one of the right people? Am I in that category? Am I a right person? Yeah. It's the best way to find the right person who will help you grow your business. So hurry to linkedin.com slash WSM and get 50 bucks off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash WSM to get 50 bucks off your first job post. linkedin.com slash WSM terms and conditions apply. Earlier, Joey Jones said there was a stark difference between ignorance and malice because of the way people's context informs their opinions and how those opinions shouldn't be considered sinister or threatening just for being ignorant. I asked Dave
3: Zirin to respond to Joey's characterization. I think if we're going to prescribe to that theory, which is, like I said, perfectly reasonable, then we have to start asking the question, how is ignorance broken down? Because I don't think that ignorance is a permanent state of being. It can't be. And so what Colin Kaepernick is doing, not just Colin Kaepernick, because we're we're using him almost as shorthand for so many players, and not just professional players, but high school athletes, cheerleaders, band members, people across the spectrum who are doing this kind of work. I mean, what they're doing is they're trying to be educators as well and say that we have this problem, this exists, and we need to talk about it collectively. And change isn't really going to happen if white people refuse to notice. And also we got to realize, too, that the people who are celebrating the locking up the kids in cages and all all the rest of it, they're not content with, with, oh, there are people who are ignorant and then there's us who who have this malice. Like they're they're going after the hearts and minds of those folks as well. So it's we're talking about a battle of ideas that's taking place and it would be a terrible mistake historically I mean look looking back if we're gonna learn it all from history to just leave the the playing field if you will and say hey you know the people who want to speak to the worst angels of people's nature about these issues it's their world and we're just living in it no there's a battle for hearts and minds and you have to engage in that battle and that's what Colin Kaepernick and these other athlete activists are doing
0: critics of Kaepernick like Joey Jones don't have a problem with him protesting just the way he's going about it.
4: Wearing pig socks and police uniforms and a Castro t-shirt and saying some of the things he said and then kneeling for the anthem after that, you just gave so many opportunities there that you might could have won someone over that you just gave them a reason. You gave them an out. You gave them a way to say, to call you a name or to say you're disrespecting instead of discussing a tough issue that deserves to be discussed. To Joey... That comes off
0: as antagonistic and unwilling to engage in good faith. But then, that too is
3: all a matter of perspective. I, for one, thought it was pretty ballsy to wear a Castro shirt to a game in Miami, of all places. I mean, I think he was trying to be provocative. You know, at that point, why not? Kaepernick paid a
0: significant price for his activism. As of right now, he's been out of football for nearly two years, and it seems clear to many, like Jamel that he's never going to play again.
2: I knew that the repercussions would be severe, but I'll be totally honest, I never thought they would be severe enough to where it would cost him his livelihood.
0: But when it comes to matters of sacrifice, that too is a matter of perspective. And when you consider the sacrifice that Marine Sergeant Johnny Joey Jones made when he lost his legs after an IED blast in Afghanistan, it provides even more context about where Joey's coming from on the anthem, and his worldview more broadly. When Joey was unconscious in the hospital in Germany, men from the military went to his parents' house in Georgia to tell them what had happened to their son. It was the worst day of their lives.
4: I was actually across the yard at the building, and I'd always heard that if they show up at your house, you know, they're, they're fast. And, I took my time getting over here. I just walked, you know, and the closer I got, the sicker I got.
0: It's like somebody has absolutely reached their hand down your throat and is just squeezing your heart so tight. You absolutely feel like it's gonna bust. And for me,
2: it was like, if I don't get some kind of relief, I'm gonna die physically.
4: For 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day, at 12 noon, they would bring my food and I would kick everyone out of the room. And before I would eat lunch, I would cry and scream and I'd cuss God, I'd throw things at the wall, I'd cuss the devil, I'd cuss the Taliban, the government and everyone in between. I'd cuss myself and I'd cuss my friends and I'd be mad and I'd be furious, but I'd let it all out. Then I'd eat my lunch and then I'd call people back in the room and I'd get through the day as positive as I could and smile. There was a day the tears didn't come. I wasn't mad anymore. And once I got over my anger, I didn't spend a whole lot of time feeling sorry for myself. I didn't need to. I was happy.
0: Although Joey doesn't like the means of protest, he recognizes the character of a person like Colin who's willing to take such bold
4: action. I have a lot of respect for him. I have respect for Colin Kaepernick. I have respect for Greg Popovich because they've at least stuck to something they believed. And that's more than you get from a lot of people.
0: And Jamel Hill loves sports for many of the same reasons that Joey does.
2: Sports gives us a quicker opportunity to make things equal, to get it right. Because the performance is what matters. The performance speaks for itself. And it boils down to, can you do it or not? And I love that about sports. I also love the fact that it has a unique ability to bring people together in a way that's really beautiful because there's not a lot of things that people of different religious backgrounds, different ethnicities, it's not a lot of stuff we do together. You think about it in the context of a locker room, and even LeBron just recently said this about how You know, before basketball or through basketball, he was able to interact with white people when, frankly, he hadn't (laughs) before and how that was such a an important, you know, moment, because in in what, you know, what world, considering the worlds they come from besides basketball, would Kevin Love and LeBron James be friends? They wouldn't be. So sports has its ability to bring you closer to somebody that you wouldn't normally be brought close to and it has a beautiful way of of allowing us to see humanity and vulnerability so sports gives us moments where we actually are the best versions of ourselves
0: and it all goes back to those early moments in her life you can't control
2: your zip code what zip code you're born in if you're a child you can't control what economic means you have so there is this sense of of helplessness and so for me Sports were very much an escape. So it's kinda sort of ironic that I talked about how sports couldn't be
0: escapism. But for me, it was. Speaking of irony, something very ironic occurred to me as I was talking with Joey. It's interesting, right? Because the, the point of this podcast is in some ways like commonality around sports or the commonality we find in sports. But it's quite obvious Also that, you know, sports like everything else is highly politicized and even more. So it's like this part of sports that are very, very tribal. Sports sometimes pulls us apart, I guess, as well.
4: It does. It does. I mean, you know, you think about like my big sport is college football and NASCAR. And it's like the divisions in college football, you know, you almost hate someone that's a Big Ten person. It's like, what. you know, you just kind of hate that Harbaugh. Like, that's just the, the bane of my existence as a SEC guy. And it's like, so there are some divisions there, but there's also a respect. Man, you know what Harbaugh's done. You know what Michigan's done. You know what that M stands for. You respect that. And I think that that's what we we miss so much with some of these other things that can be divisive as well. It's like, you know, the, the Republican Democrat or the, Pro this, anti that. It's okay to, to disagree and have a healthy disagreement, but we forget to stop and respect that that person's dedicated their lives to that cause. They've lived personal experiences to develop that opinion. They've put their money where their mouth is to start movements or to get someone elected or to uh, create nonprofits. Like They've put work and sweat and blood and tears into something that they believe because of how their life laid out. And we forget to respect that part of it. And that's what frustrates me the most about a big the majority of what's happening in our country as far as divisiveness in politics, that we still have it in sports. You know, we still see that in sports. We saw that
0: in the 2017 Super Bowl in Houston. Joey and I were both there in person. The Falcons, his favorite team, were beating my Patriots twenty eight to three at halftime. Then the GOAT, Tom Brady, that means the greatest of all time, led that epic, historic comeback and the Pats won 34-28 in overtime.
4: I hated seeing the Falcons lose. But man, what look at that Tom Brady. Look at what he did. Look at Bill Belichick. Look at what he did. You know, look at that team. And so all the hatred in the world for the team that beat the Falcons is still overshadowed by the respect I have for the people doing it. I mean that's something we could learn from sports In our daily lives that we haven't Walked down that path in a long time
0: That's super inspiring And I'm going to let it be inspiring and not just sort of rub it in You Ah, you can
4: rub it in man You know what, (laughs) Mm -hmm. they deserve it
0: So as I talked with Joey, Jamel, Nate And Dave, one thing became Clear to me We all care Our hearts and our spirits are essentially the same The core of who we are Is essentially the same our perspectives are just different, each shaped by where we come from. But we live in the era of outrage first, questions later. It's exhausting sometimes. But if there's one positive we can take from the outrage and vehement disagreement, it's that we still care. We're still willing to fight for something, not only for the soul of sports, but the soul of our nation. Why Sports Matter is a religion of sports And Cadence 13 production Adam Schlossman is our producer Brandon Sneed, our writer Music is from Michael Kramer Chris Basil and Rich Berner are editors And Kevin Richter, our engineer Amit Sankaran is the executive producer Luciano Del Villar and Joe Levin are associate producers Special thanks to Chris Corcoran Rich Cook, Matt Havia Sean Cherry, Giselle Peretz Eric LeDrew, Carrie Nelson, and Parker Reese. Subscribe to Why Sports Matter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode and know some friends that may enjoy it as well, please share it with them. And of course, we'd be very grateful for a positive review and rating if you got the time. Thanks for listening. See you next week.